Hello, good friends. Welcome to a color-coded symphony on the air. I'm Irina Spiritu, coming to you from the unceded traditional territory of the Ohlone here in Oakland, California. A color-coded symphony is a musical experience whose aim is to encourage openness and nurture curiosity towards cultures by connecting our ethnic origins to music and rhythms worldwide. In this episode, our guest is multi-instrumentalist composer, recording artist, and educator, Bo Razon. Bo did a presentation with us back in October 2021 on the overview of Philippine native music. You can watch that on our YouTube channel. Just go to colorcodedsymphony.com and you'll find the link there. But this time, we're going to be featuring his own ethno-fusion music from the Philippines to Cuba and beyond. Let's start with this song, Passion.
are in for a treat in this episode. Thank you, Bo Razon, for joining us here at Color Coded Symphony on the Air. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. I know you are from the Philippines, and I think uh, you came here as a youth, uh, yes. 10 years old. So let's let's start maybe from the early, early on and how your musical journey began and where we are today. Okay, well, uh, briefly, uh, if I may, I'd like to start with the DNA uh, coursing through my veins. So obviously okay. a lot of those uh, DNA services, gene genealogy, the past several years, uh, I've had a couple of tests. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, not surprisingly, from my father's side is a huge chunk of Polynesian and uh, Southeast Asian uh, component. Mm -hmm. uh, but from my mother's side, I, it's all over the map, uh, mm -hmm. the European map. So there's, there's Portuguese, there's Irish, there's, uh, uh, you know, Brit British, or um, uh, there's, it I have Italian, I have, you know, 4.5% Italian, there's North African, Europe, Jewish, uh -huh. uh, Sephardic, and my great grandmother on my mom's side was a Portuguese descended from Sephardic uh, Jews in uh, in Iberia, and so forth and so on. And then wow. I also have on my dad's side some Chinese. So, <laughs> you know, uh, when they when they ask me, well, well, what are you? I said, I'm a little bit of everything, you yeah. know, or pedigreed mongrel. So, uh, <laughs> so that's what's going on <laughs> inside my uh, DNA and my veins. Now, as far as um, Growing up, I remember uh, I was born in Manila, mm -hmm. and I remember uh, at a very, very early age, my mom and dad's 78 RPM records, they had Cuban music. Well, I didn't know what it was back then. I was just a toddler, right, or a tot. But um, apparently in Manila in the 40s and the 50s, Cuban music uh, via the mambo craze uh, was, was all the rage. So they had, so I grew up already, you know, listening to that. And perhaps by osmosis, you know, 30 years later when I, or 20 years later, maybe when I started on my path as, uh, you know, playing music and I moved to the Bay Area, which was um, in the 70s, I hooked up with some Latin. Well, first, I was playing rock and blues and, you know, like everybody else. But I hooked up with some uh, Latin music uh players in the Bay Area, in San Francisco, in the Mission, actually, where La Mission, you know, and that's what started it. I think uh, there was something that kick-started whatever was already going on in my blood, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and I heard, uh, you know, the Cuban music, uh, not of the 40s and the 50s anymore, but, but of the, you know, the 70s, 80s, and so forth and so on. Mm -hmm. So I totally just jumped into it. And ironically, mm -hmm. I, I didn't know anything about Philippine indigenous or ethnic music because this is pretty much a pop scene. You know, I'm a city boy and uh, uh, the Western pop is very big in the uh, urban area there, Metro, Metro Manila. Mm -hmm. um, so it wasn't until I went back uh, to live in the Philippines for uh, 12, 13 years in, in the 90s and early 2000s that I really started examining the ethno, uh, the ethnic and indigenous music of, of the islands. Mm, so and it was so, your own interests that you searched for, you know, the native music in the Philippines. Yes. 
but in the interim, while I was living in uh, here in the U.S., at the, particularly in the Bay Area, but I must say uh, I was into different. I played with different uh, musicians from uh, pretty much the Afro-Caribbean, Afro-Latin uh, worlds, mm -hmm. and also the West African worlds. I was I, I played with Jamaican musicians and um, you know Nigerian musicians and. Uh, uh, I played different styles and I learned all the, you know, through osmosis. Mm -hmm. I got acculturated too and uh, and learned to play their music um, the whole time I was in the Bay Area because the Bay Area is, a, as you might agree, with a microcosm yes. of the world because so many different cultures have settled there and uh, are firmly entrenched in there. And so... Uh, fortunately, people in the Bay Area have can listen at any given day of the week. Right. Uh, the, the authentic roots music of different cultures or yes. uh, world cultures. So that was my milieu uh, in the Bay Area for uh, quite a few decades. Mm -hmm. And so all of this, all of this was coalescing within me and meshing. And so I um, and then I went back to the Philippines in the 90s. And and then looked into the gong music, Southeast Asian music, and mm -hmm. uh, and the Philippine uh, gong and bamboo music, and then you know when I came back here in the mid two thousands, it, it just started all meshing in in me that I said, uh, you know I I'm not sure that I if when this term was coined, but I I've been using it. Uh, I call it ethno fusion. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's pretty much what I've been doing. Um, so were you a primarily a, 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 get a stringed instrument instrumentalist at first and then over time started incorporating, you know, riff, rhythms and percussion into your repertoire of various uh, instruments that you play? Yes, primarily I started out playing bass and moved to guitar fairly quickly. Uh -huh. uh, and then when I moved to the Bay Area, I started to pick up different instruments um, from from other cultures. Uh, for instance, the Tres Cubano, mm -hmm. which is the typical folkloric guitar of Cuba. Mm -hmm. uh, initially, was used in uh, folk genres like changui and son cubano, but it is the uh, very unique to Cuba. It's it's got a different string configuration. And I also played, uh, got into playing the Puerto Rican uh, cuatro, which is uh, 10 pairs, uh, you know, five double courses um, tuned in fourths, stuff like that. And I looked at other instruments. Um, and of course, I started examining the native Philippine rondalia instruments like the banduria, uh, laud, um, octavina, which, you know, the rondalia is from the Hispanic influence of the colonization period. Uh, but the rondalias are found also in parallel uh, colonized or ex-colonies of Spain, like mm -hmm. Cuba and Mexico and Venezuela, Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. So th there's that there's that bridge or uh, string that ties it together with with Philippine Filipino culture, mm -hmm. parallelisms. And uh, I thought this was very fascinating, and I, I really explored this as much as I could. Oh, and then, and then, and then the rhythmic part was obviously playing uh, Latin music, uh, Cuban music with it, all its rhythms. Um, yes. 
and uh, I incorporated, you know, a style of playing which was very rhythmic, like rhythm guitar, but sort of playing it like a drum, approaching it like what a drummer, because I hung out around, I hung around uh, a bunch of drummers all the time, especially in the Bay Area. There's some great yeah. drummers. My uh, homies, so, so to speak, my homeboys were uh, guys like Michael Spiro, Carl Perasso, who's playing with Santana, John Santos, Raul, uh, the late, uh, great Raul Reco, who was Santana's conguero for years. Um, and, and many, many people like that. So mm -hmm. it was just, again, osmosis, learning, just hanging out and playing together all the time made my my style evolved into be a, a rhythmic, you know, with the, the melodic uh, component, but very, very rhythmic. So I would play it like a drum and yeah. it got to the point where I couldn't stand it. I just said, well, I just have to go. And I went to Cuba in the 90s to oh. actually study Cuban, Afro-Cuban percussion. Mm -hmm. um, and I went there a couple of times and then I brought it back to the Philippines and introduced this Afro-Cuban style. Uh, when I went back from Cuba, one of my trips to Cuba, I gave a workshop in Manila. And the uh, unbeknownst to me, the uh, department heads of the UP, University of the Philippines College of Music, you know, ethnomusicology department were there in the audience. And I got offered a job right after the workshop. Really? Would you like to teach this? Yeah. And that's how I ended up teaching at UP for seven years. Wow. So I started the Afro-Latin program there in 1998. The first song that we listened to was Passion. And here is Bo talking about the backstory of that tune. Passion is interesting. In um, some time ago, I was working with Grace Nono, who is uh, uh, a great um, ethno uh, fusions, you know, artist, musical artist in the Philippines, as well as being some other uh, stuff. She does a lot of. Uh, work with the the uh, the indigenous people there but um, I was working with her um, we did some shows some concerts here in the US and uh, I heard one of these songs that she was doing which is a passion is a sort of a dirge like song sung in Holy Week you know in the Catholic part of the Philippines up in the northern islands uh, during Holy Week, the Passion of Christ is reenacted, you know, in several ways. And one of them is through these songs that go on for hours. And they, they the, the elderly women, the manangs, they take turns singing them because they mm. just go on all day, all afternoon into the night, you know. The and same they, song. Well, I mean, there's a whole, you know litany of uh, material this whole body a corpse corpus of the material you know yeah uh and so at some point they they'll repeat but there's so many so mm. this song this melody was one of them mm. and it struck me because it was in the minor key and it was very plaintive and lamentful you know it had this mournful quality and i i just really got hit by this this song i said well, obviously, I'm not going to sing it like the traditional way, and I'm not really, you know, singer per se. But yeah. I said, well, this would be a great melody for for a tres cubano, which is the mm. in another instrument I play that Cuban folkloric guitar I told you about earlier. Yeah. So I was fiddling around with it, and it came out really well. It sounded really good. So I arranged it 
to into a more I, I laid a more Cuban bed to it mm. where the melody could float on. So it's a fusion of, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Philippine socio-religious music. Interesting. Uh, and uh, Afro-Cuban uh, <laughs> rhythms and instruments. So there, there, there again, you have the ethno-fusion aspect of it. And uh-huh. uh, I got my some of my Bay Area homies to play in it. Got a great bass player from Cuba, from Santiago de Cuba, uh, yeah. Ernesto Quindelan playing bass on there. Uh, Michael Spiro, world-renowned percussionist, is playing the Afro-Cuban percussion. And John Calloway, who is quite a Bay Area fixture himself, mm-hmm. plays flute. And Emil nice. Antres. So. Who's also uh, Filipino as well, right? Or is she... John Calloway is, yes. yes he yeah. is uh, African-Filipino, African-American and Filipino background. Uh-huh. And born and raised in San Francisco. Next up, this is Babaluaye. Babalu Aye is like the the one the Orisha. By the way, they're called Orishas. Orisha is the word for these uh, anthropomorphic entities, right? It's you know gods and go- goddesses, demigods, goddesses. You know, they're more like the these are pe- beings who lived long ago. They became anthropomorphic and attri- attributed certain you know, powers and mythic, uh, you know, powers and stuff like that. But anyway, mm-hmm. Babalu Aye was the patron of the sick, uh, people with leprosy and things mm-hmm. like that. So, um, and, and by the way, the in, in this Afro-Cuban slash Yoruba Lukumi um, faith system, um, which is a more than a faith system, as I think somebody coined it, is it's a psychosocial system of integration. Because if you see the rituals, 
they're always accompanied by these heavy rhythms with their sacred drums and the chants and the songs and dance. So it's a it's an integrated, you know, phenomenon and mm -hmm. and within the within the the, the social group so it's it's uh, very intense you know i've, I've mm. seen this in cuba you see this in haiti and all the afro african diaspora societies in the new world mm -hmm. um so babalu aye uh and and also obviously since the the slaves the african slaves that were brought over in in this case cuba and in brazil's case the portuguese in in cuba's case the spanish the spanish colonizers they frowned upon the any kind of expression uh uh, of culture of the slaves, you know, it was downright banned. The drums were banned, and this and that and the other. So they had this. The Africans had to cloak their uh, their rituals and their belief systems in in you know with their their gods and their divinities, and syncretize them with Catholic saints. All right. So which is why which is where the word Santeria comes from, wow. you know, the way of the saints. Right. Yes. Because so they wouldn't get into too much trouble and be, you know, just unspeakable things done to them. Mm -hmm. um, by the way, there is a, a Netflix documentary out right now, which describes all of this stuff that I'm talking about. What's, a, what's uh, it it's called? called Bigger Than Africa. And I recommend okay. uh, everybody to watch it. It just, you know, it bigger than africa it's it's playing right now it's on the okay uh, rotation so anyway they would syncretize their african gods with catholic saints so so babalu aye is san lazaro well if you if you're you know for catholics people they know san lazaro is the patron saint of the sick you know so they the same similar attributes of their african divinities they would find a ca catholic counterpart and that they would syncretize that, you know, uh, and, wow. you know, case, case in point, uh, Chango is Santa Barbara. Chango mm -hmm. is the Orisha of, of, of thunder and lightning. And and then he wears red. His colors are red and white. Well, Santa Barbara is the same color, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and so forth and so on like that. Um, uh, uh, Ochun is syncretized with uh our Lady of, of Charity, Nuestra uh, Señora de Caridad de Cobre, you know, our, our Lady of Charity, and 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 on and on like that. There's mm. these Catholic saint counterparts of the African Orishas. If there was a commonality amongst all of your experiences playing traditional Filipino music and, um, you know, the this of course, the, the colonization influence of the stringed instruments uh, would there be one that would tie in throughout all the countries or all the musical cultures that you've worked with is there one similarity would you say and and like like are there is there anything the same for cuba let's say if you were to compare cuba versus the philippines what would you uh, how would you describe the music of cuba and the philippines well um great question uh uh, yes, certainly there's a thread, a common thread that runs through all these uh, countries or cultures that have were, were ex-colonies uh, of Spain. On the cultural side, uh, on the music aspect, musical aspect of it, the certain styles of music uh, sound very much alike. Uh, for instance, the Philippine danza, 
um, sounds like the Cuban danzón. And well, we're, and in fact, they are related. Mm -hmm. they're, they're not just, you know, two separate evolutions. They, there's actually, you know, there was ships going from all the time from uh, uh, Havana to Mexico and then from Mexico, Acapulco to Manila. And in fact, my paternal, <laughs> my father's grandmother was from Havana, Cuba. And she Your got on a ship. Wow. Yeah, my paternal great grand. So my two great grandmothers on both sides were were from these Iberian or uh, Iberian Caribbean outposts, right? Uh -huh. Back then. Uh, so my my dad, my my great grandmother on my dad's side went from Havana, Cuba to uh, to Mexico. Um, presumably got on the west coast of Mexico. I. I presumably Acapulco, and then got on a, one of those ships that crossed the Pacific to Manila. And she ended up in the Philippines, you know, the progeny. My dad was the second generation from that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and of course, with all the, these, these transcontinental and trans crossings, the culture comes, you know, cultural elements come with it, you know, cuisine, food, language, music, art. So there's a lot of parallelisms between these cultures. And I would say musically, uh, uh, if you listen to the, the love songs like Kundiman in the Philippines, for instance, yes. the love romantic slash courtship ballads, you know, they're very much like the boleros of yes. Latin America, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the slow romantic ballads. And you, you could just substitute the language and, you know, the sound would be virtually the same. Yeah. So that, you know, that would be one example. Your album is called The Saturnai Sessions. What is Saturnai? Uh, Saturnai is a, a mini kulintang. And what is kulintang? Kulintang is the, the eight, the, the gong. Well, kulintang is, refers to a few different things. It's, it's the, the term for the, the musical um, genre. Mm -hmm. of that group of people from uh, the southern Philippines, from the island of Mindanao, among them the Maranao, the Maguindanao, the Samal, uh, Taosug, you know, all of these folks have in their indigenous culture a, a forms of musical expression that utilize gongs, you know, tuned embossed um, gongs mm -hmm. um, that um, that are not tuned to non-Western tunings, you know, and uh, uh, in fact are related to the the neighbor in the South Indonesia with Bali and Java, Javanese and Balinese gamelan. You'll oh, find yes. very, very uh, similar and common elements, you know, not exactly, but but you know, th there's the there's very um, there's similar aspects, and mm -hmm. so. You know, each region evolved and developed in its own unique way, but uh, it's part of that big umbrella family of gong music. Mm -hmm. So Kulintang, so Saranai is a mini version of the Kulintang set, which is a big, you know, the the eight gongs that spread across. And uh, when folks from there, my friends from that area have told me that when when they're learning, they're still kids. They learn from childhood. It's a traditional, you know, folk uh, art 
that's passed from generation to generation. There's no nothing written down or anything. It's just mm. a traditional way of, you know, oral and passing down the the, the sounds and the techniques and, and the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, they practice on the Saranai, which is a mini version of that big, bigger Kulintang set. I see. So it's, it's like a, a mini, mini gong set, you know. Is it mainly played by children? Well, or not, not really? necessarily. Uh, you know, children play it certainly to learn the songs of the bigger set because they can't reach, you know, the bigger set. They're I see. too small. But then it's also played by, you know, adults and things mm-hmm. like that. And so I, I, I used that name for my title of my album because it seemed to uh, appear in all of the tunes that made it into the CD. So Let's listen to Afroyesa Maranao.
Proyesa Maranao is uh, uh, the rhythm I used, the rhythm I uh, that was used here is an Iyesa rhythm, which is originally uh, from West Africa and the Niger Nigeria, what is now Nigeria, this place called Ijesha. Uh, in Brazil, it's called Ijesha. In Cuba, it's Iyesa. So uh, it's, it has a Maranao Kulintang melody called Kadsagurongan. And I recorded the Kulintang back in Manila, and I took those tracks with me on, on you know, back here on one of my trips. Mm. And then I, I did the, I got the bass player and the drums and everything else, put them together in Alameda in Greg Landau's studio. Nice. So uh, this this uh, Kulintang piece that is the main motif of that tune is from the Maranao people. It's sort mm -hmm. of a festive piece, um, you know, when they're having, when they're partying and stuff like that, social gatherings. That's what it's about. That's why it's, I, and then I thought of putting a dance, Afro-style dance beat to it. Nice. Uh, and together with the Afro-Cuban rhythms, of course. Yes. I can't escape. <laughs> My late great friend and mentor, uh, Danny, Danongan Kalanduyan, we all call him Danny, Danny Kalanduyan, who passed away um, some year, a, a few years ago. He was single-handedly instrumental in uh, bringing Kulintang music the Kulintang music of his culture, the Maguindanao people, into North America single-handedly. Mm -hmm. He uh, came from, from the 80s or perhaps even earlier, I'm not sure. He, he came uh, to the U.S. and then started teaching Kulintang music. Mm -hmm. And he has many, many disciples and students and who are continuing his legacy to this day, uh, who have, you know, they've done their own things individually. But this song is a tribute to his work and his legacy. Mm. Because I sort of think, thought of his, the river as a metaphor for the tradition. Uh, since he was a, a culture warrior or a culture bearer mm -hmm. that um, uh, although certainly steeped in the traditions of his culture was not close to evolution because i i have this sort of uh equation that I, I i always i consider and think about and in fact i i teach when i used to teach students i would tell them about this equation hmm. it's uh tradition t um plus innovation i equals evolution e T-I-E, and it ties it all together, T-I-E. <laughs> so very easy to remember. Right? Yes. <laughs> Tradition plus innovation equals That's evolution. It's all tied in. Yeah. So uh, unlike perhaps in s some instances where traditionalists and purists will say, hey, that's sacrilege. You can't mix anything with our music. That, you know, that that's leave it as it is. And mm -hmm. well, Danny wasn't like that. He said, when he heard me playing some Afro-Cuban rhythms and uh, he said, you know, that would fit with this thing from our culture. And then, then mm. it would start jamming. And really? so this was a, a, a constant process when we were hanging out together. By the way, we lived, he lived in South San Francisco. I lived in San Mateo, you know, 20 minutes away. So we would hang out a lot. And huh. 
Nice. So this song was inspired by that whole process and our, of our whole connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the melody is it's an original melody, but I thought I would incorporate a traditional Sinulug um, song and rhythms to it. So you'll hear this song go on different sonic landscapes. It'll start out as a sort of a world music slash new age kind of sound and then and then it'll it, it it'll 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 you know my it'll move into the middle east because i play an oud solo which is yes. the middle eastern oud you know the arabic kind of sound uh-huh. and then all of a sudden it'll it'll go back around the world to mindanao and you have a a kulintang solo, uh, just straight up with the dabakan, which is the traditional drum that goes with the kulintang. That's great. <laughs> uh, and then, and then it then it ties back up again when the fusion comes back around to, towards the end. Uh-huh. So uh, the river flows on is because his teachings and his music, his culture's music, lives on in his students and his disciples, and it it keeps uh, propagating itself and his legacy like the river flows on and on. Here is, and the river flows on.
listen to another song from the Saranai Sessions album. This is one of my favorites. This is called Sahara Mon Amour. project that you're currently working on. 2019 was when Saronai Sessions was released. 
So I think it's about time. So uh, working definitely on the follow-up to that. And one of the lead tunes on that is Ochun Amamayog, mm-hmm. which again, I just cannot escape this. <laughs> the Afro-Cuban and the Southern Mindanao uh, cultural expressions or musical expressions are figure prominently in this tune. Mm -hmm. However, I also have all these other influences. So there's Afrobeat, West African Afrobeat, American funk, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, and New Orleans, certainly New Orleans, you know, backline kind of rhythm and uh, that whole thing going on. So there's a lot of musical stew Again, a gumbo, like a Creole gumbo in this tune. And I'm very happy to also uh, tell you that the the singer, uh, everybody worked virtually because of the pandemic. We all had these little studios in our homes. So the singer uh, did her tracks. She's from Havana, Cuba. She's Cuban. Mm. She's actually a Cuban uh, jazz singer, Zule Guerra. Mm -hmm. But she she did the vocals in Havana, Cuba. The bass player is from Pinole. (laughs) <laughs> Chris, uh, Greg, uh, my friend, the producer and the, the, the wizard, Dr. Greg Landau from Alameda did all the, you know, he's doing he's doing all the mixing and, you know, producing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's me down here in Southern California. So really, it's it's a it's a global project. Uh, very excited about it. I and love it. Uh, yeah, thematically, Ochun is the. In the Afro-Cuban uh, liturgy, which is de- derived from the Yoruba, because the Yoruba were a, a dominant culture that came later on in the slave trade to Cuba. Mm-hmm. So uh, much of the Afro-Cuban cultural expressions, not all of it, but uh, is, is Yoruba-derived. Yoruba um, uh, this Ochun is the... Uh, is a goddess of love. Ochun is the Afro-Cuban Venus and Aphrodite. Mm. And that says everything about the tune. She's the yes. of love and beauty and flirtation. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> the, the men all, you know, go crazy when she's walking by. That's Ochun. I love it. And uh, so this song that's on there is a traditional song to Ochun. Uh, there's many, many songs to tune, but this is one of them. And then I wrote a melody t- sort of based on Kulintang approach to bridge that Ochun, that Cuban Ochun, to a courtship song from the Mindanao cultures of the Maranao and the Maguindanao called Mamayog. Uh-huh. When uh, Danny Kalanduyan's younger brother, Karatuan Kalanduyan, who is also a cultural bearer, uh, taught me. He was my. He's my teacher with the kutiapi, that boat lute instrument that I demoed uh, in that in my uh, presentation last time here with Color Coded Symphony. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that uh, he taught me that song, Mama Yog, and I again the melody stuck with me, and I just I was just in love with this melody. I said, now how can I do this? And <laughs> just it's magic, you know. I can't. I can't explain. How it sounds things, like fun putting it all together. Yeah, I, I just, <laughs> it just said, whoa, all of a sudden, hey, look, this this will work. This will work. You know, it's a, a lot of trial and error sometimes, oh, you know, sometimes hit or, hit, or, hit or miss, hit and miss. Yeah. But I am so happy that uh, we've we put it together. And I think it's it's 
another one of those journeys within one song, you know, it goes all to the different places, but somehow works. <laughs> and so we get to hear uh, a raw version of this. This has not been mixed or mastered. No, nothing this like it's, it's not yet finished. So I'm, I'm, yeah, um, I would deign to really, but you know, I'm so excited about it. We could, <laughs> we could play, you know, a few, uh, just maybe the beginning of it. Uh, okay. I have the Kutiapi in there. There's the Saronai in there. There's Afro-funk, uh, Afro-beat drums, uh, you know, uh, and, and Cuban vocals and percussion. Here is a tiny preview, unmixed, raw version of Ochun A Mamayog. That's great, Bo. Well, thank you so much for your time and for sharing all of your knowledge. Oh, my and pleasure. Can't wait to hear your new album coming out and uh, looking forward to hearing you someday in person. Most welcome. My pleasure. And thank you, too, Irene. That was Bo Razon. Be sure to check out his latest release scheduled to come out in early 2023. You could find out more about his music uh, on Facebook and uh, just do a search for Bo Razon Music. And thanks again for joining us. I'm Irina Spiritu. A color-coded symphony is a musical experience whose aim is to encourage openness and nurture curiosity towards cultures by connecting our ethnic origins to music and rhythms worldwide. Check us out at colorcodedsymphony.com. And a big thanks again to The Lost Church for providing a platform for our show. Check out their calendar for live in-person shows and radio programs at thelostchurch.org. Till next time, take care, peace and love to you all.